As far as I'm concerned, as long as that same respect and recognition is not shown toward every one of our people in this country, it doesn't exist for me. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to have just an off-the-cuff chat between you and me, us. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. It's quite interesting if I were to speak about my own intellectual journey. And I've actually got to thank my guest today, who's also a friend, Sham from Birmingham, Bitter Arab on social media, on Twitter particularly, always burning fire on people. And I have to to actually thank her because she introduced me to so many different topics and ways of thinking, particularly when we think about black liberation. So, Wagwan Sham, and welcome to the Malcolm Effect. I'm happy to finally be here. Had to force myself in. Don't try. You were always going to come. You were one of the first people I asked when I, when I was actually in Birmingham. Don't try it. <laughs> but no. I'm joking. <laughs> now, for the longest, for the longest, you had in your Twitter name, yeah? Sham says, read Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Why? Mm-hmm. I think particularly, like, one of my favorite things about pedagogy, because I've read it about four or five times now, I think very mm-hmm. importantly, like, it's like, a classic work that seeks to morph education into a beautiful, transformative social force, right? And unfortunately, mm. it's often omitted from Western teacher preparatory programs because it's of its liberating pedagogy. Mm. And the fact that it inherently undermines the constructed power na- narratives that we have that constantly buttresses the elite's global hegemony in the consciousness of oppressed people. And... Mm. What Freire does is his purpose is to basically reveal how education is currently used as a mechanism even of the oppressor to mold our consciousness and mold the consciousness of the oppressed in particular into this kind of how a static reality of inequality, right? Mm-hmm. And as a result, what he does is he instead advocates for an educational paradigm that not only unveils reality as a limiting process, but it also says he also says that it must be collaboratively transformed if both the elites and the masses are to regain our humanity, right? And he mm. argues that the pedagogy of the oppressed is an instrument for that discovery for both the oppressed and the oppressors and its manifestations of the same dehumanizing realities of capitalism, which are per- per- um, perpetrated in the banking model, quote unquote, that he talks about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the kind of vertical, yeah, the kind of vertical way of teaching. Just yeah. to kind of comment on that, I think I think you're spitting facts. I mean, you're spitting facts. I think whilst I was reading that, the questions of liberation kept coming up in my mind, thinking, you know what? And this is why when we think about our heroes and, and revolutionaries, why they were so kind of geared to providing political education to people. And even those who were you know, leaders in themselves, for example, like if you think of Castro, for example, he would spend six to eight hours talking to his people. Absolutely. You know, and, and that and that kind of education didn't come from a thing of this is like a, the dictator speaking to to people. You find the way we are educated in the Western world is very dictatorial. There's no kind of input from the person. There's no kind of molding of the subject matter. There's no kind of creating of reality where we're all involved. It's like, no, this is the way you think. This is the way you should think. And this is the way we've been molded to think. And you see that evidently because, I mean, unfortunately, many people, let's speak from the UK context, I'm sure it's the same in other places, but I know for sure in the UK, we know that 
many people's education stops at school. Mm-hmm. We have to understand that the curriculum that we have in the UK has been deliberately designed to give people a particular way of thinking. For example, hence why we hear all the, we see all the pushback against any criticism of Churchill, for example. Mm-hmm. Or when you mention the terms like, oh, you know, ask most people in the UK, they'll tell you that William Wilberforce abolished slavery and he should be celebrated. Yeah. Or Malcolm X was evil and Martin Luther King. These are deliberate decisions people make because they want people to think in a certain way. Sorry to go on that tangent, but yeah, carry on. <laughs> no, it's absolutely true. And when like people have often asked me, so what is this like banking model that he yeah. speaks about? And it, like I use an example, like imagine going into the bank, depositing money, and it's in the account, etc. It's the same kind of education system that we have today. It's this traditional schooling. So your assessment can be a multiple choice. Which of the following is A, B, C, D? It's objective, right? Or even just yeah. recently, I had a discussion with a few A-level students and nothing has changed. You know, the majority of like A-levels, be it humanities, be it the sciences, etc. It's a memorization game. It's a typical yeah. banking model. It doesn't talk about how we can transform ourselves in a society it doesn't reflect on underlying structures and how we can learn or unlearn this it's void absolutely void of reality and again like when we speak about a levels and i know it's the same with sats and many education systems across the globe right it's constant memorization how can i memorize paragraphs and essays to answer a particular question in this way that will get me the a right and it's why whenever these transformative revolutions happen be it in cuba be it in burkina faso be it in vietnam be it in china the very first thing they do is first of all they make sure they bring up literacy rates to near 100 percent. the first thing they do is ensure that education makes the children understand what the revolution means what being a revolutionary is what a luta continua is right and it's that kind of method that is bankrupt from our children today or from students today like absolutely education does stop at, stop at school and people aren't really willing to engage with it afterwards but one of the many reasons of that is because education itself is not an engaging paradigm right it's just yeah. memorize this this is how things are these cannot be questioned churchill can never be misunderstood yeah yeah nazi germany soviet union didn't do anything uh, no, 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 and i think it's very telling it's very telling and i feel like for me the more you grow up and the more you read, the more you realize just how much propaganda we got fed via the school system. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the UK, I mean, going for the British school system, you realize, wow, like people sat down and make deliberate decisions to feed people certain narrative. That's the only way you can think about it. Because, and again, I would, I would go, not even sound conspiratorial, but this is where I see things as well. And I think uh, Farrier alludes to it as well. That it's literally like education has just become another, what's the word? To, pro, to to create people to serve a function of capitalist mode of production. Mm-hmm. 100%. It's given us that isolation, that alien model, right? Where turn into these yeah. individual characters. We don't believe in the community. We constantly yeah. think, oh, what can I study that will make me the most money? Or I don't yeah. want to study because I can do an apprenticeship and this will give me the um, skills to gain more money, etc. And it's never, and in his first chapter, like, very details why the pedagogy is necessary, etc. He says it's not a method to reverse the material oppression of one class with the other, which many people want. And that that in itself Mm -hmm. is very reactionary, right? But instead, it seeks to further contribute to the full humanization of all beings. 
And as a critical theorist, Freire views this, these like ideological structures shaped by material circumstances of capitalism as the principal obstacle to human development. You know, mm. we can't be our fully humanized selves, be the oppressed or the oppressor when we are living in the material conditions of today, right? And he says, while class analysis is an important component of his ideological approach, he doesn't want to reduce all forms of oppressions to class antagonisms alone, which is really important when we understand race and everything about um, everything yeah. else, right? His approach is to integrate both like objectivism with subjectivism and arguing that neither the world nor people can exist in a mutually exclusive fashion. And he rejects this like false dichotomy of reality. And he does this throughout his book, like his ideological freedom is apparent through that analysis as he seeks to very importantly transform education from an exercise in ideological domination that we're talking about yeah. and that what we see in our current schools today to one of liberation which i think is mm. absolutely beautiful and it's why i completely stress this reading to everyone because it's so beautiful it's so poetic in the way he writes yes and mind you it's like the book is translated from portuguese to english and you know, yeah. when we think about the current system that he was writing in, like he was in the favelas, he was understanding education as a means there. And the fact that it can be applied so wide, but of course the Marxist analysis can always be applied that wide. And it's why I've been loving seeing in the past year, you engage with material conditions and class analysis again and again, because I think it's an important component of any 100%. liberatory ideological approach, right? Mm-hmm. And I, and I got to thank you for that, putting me on in many ways. So thank you. <laughs> but, but you know what? You're absolutely right. And I feel like this process of education as a tools, as a means of locating liberation, I think is very important. I'm immediately, I'm thinking of Bob Marley, you know, emancipate yourself from mental slavery, number ourselves okay. and free our minds. And I'm immediately thinking of like, how do we come to create new realities? We think of, you know, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. If I were to ask you, what do you, uh, what do you use language for? Immediately the response to people by people is, I use language to, to communicate. I'm like, no, do you think more? Or do you communicate more? They're like, no, I think more. So therefore, I think, therefore I am, which means you need a particular type of grammar and language to, to create a new reality. And I think that's what Freud constantly speaks about. That we have to create a new grammar which is liberatory for all. Absolutely, absolutely. And what, yeah. else, what other takeaways from this book can you give us, or some gems? Everyone, please read the book. But yeah. and, I, and I have to be honest, I've gone. I'm yet to finish it. I'm like a couple chapters left, a couple pages left. But I'm still going to have and try my best of what I can remember and what I've been through so far. So what yeah, else okay. should we take away from this book? I think also what's really important because I see this constant like hot take on the timeline and I love to refer to the timeline because I feel like it's very important <laughs> in understanding how people think how people move etc and it's constantly this idea of like white people can't be our allies they can't be our true comrades these people who are violent to me etc can't work with me etc mm. and what's important about Freire right he identifies two distinct stages in his pedagogical approach and I always find it so funny saying the word because I really struggle. But he first, <laughs> says, yeah, he first says that oppressed need to unveil the world of oppression in an intellectual sense and use praxis to commit themselves to its transformation. And this first stage is, of course, very necessary because as long as, you know, the oppressed remain unaware of their, the causes of their conditions, they will fatalistically mm -hmm. accept their exploitation, whether that means 
blaming one another on our oppressions, whether that means the oppressed beginning to adopt traits of the oppressor. Yes. To be an oppressor is to be a man. And, you know, Franz Fanon, also incredible, he makes the same interjection in Black Skin, White Mask, right? He says, Mm -hmm. because the fear of freedom in itself leads to the oppressed being like the oppressor because that the idea of freedom alone, it's a constant effort, right? It's not a gift. It's a conquest. Mm -hmm. And it's a hard one at that. So to make that transformation alone is very difficult for some to even come to terms to, or it's very difficult Mm -hmm. for some to be even made aware of because they're still unaware of the causes of their condition, right? They don't think it's the oppressor. They think it's their not working hard enough, not getting a higher paying enough job, not working from the second they wake up till the second that they sleep, right? And Mm -hmm. in the second stage the revealing pedagogy, I suppose, it ceases to belong solely to the oppressed, right? And mm-hmm. it's this is what makes it what makes it become a pedagogy of all people in the process of permanent liberation. We cannot liberate liberate ourselves, right, without liberating others. And he emphasizes yes. practice in doing so. And he maintains that true liberation cannot be a purely intellectual mm-hmm. exercise, right? Of and course. it must involve action, right? Conversely, at the same time, activism without serious reflection will also be an ineffective means of achieving humanity's full potential. And it's that Sankara quote saying, you know, a soldier without a liberating ideology is also a war criminal. He can easily become a war criminal, right? Yeah. Or just, you know, working for an NGO, this and that. Break, without break having political- our people are free from the shackles of identity politics. But we can <laughs> <end> surely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, working for an NGO or doing charitable stuff without the politics, yeah? Even mutual aid alone, without the political theory to go hand in hand with it, it's it's just charity, right? And it doesn't Mm -hmm. really serve a purpose in our society. It doesn't really do anything. It just aids and abets this this constant cycle that we're on. Mm -hmm. And like a portion of his pedagogy, it's with the potential to attract practitioners of all classes, right, in, in his position that, his process of becoming more fully fully human cannot be achieved by simply turning the oppressed into new oppressors. That just can't happen. Mm-hmm. True liberation cannot be given and it is not a self-achievement. It is instead a mutual process between the oppressed and the oppressor. Whether that means working side by side with white people we might dislike, that is okay. That is the only way it can happen. It has to be a mutual mm-hmm. process. And that in itself is a hard interjection to make for many, of course, because, for example, many will find it hard to work with working class whites who so often fill their own role in identity politics, right? They yeah. often vote against their own class interest. So yeah. questions such as that, someone might ask, like, how can someone who has benefited from my degradation and oppression become more humanized? How can I work with them? But again, true liberation cannot be a self-achievement. It must be a neutral process. And he talks mm-hmm. about when teachers and students work together in authenticity to expose the constructive reality of domination and to recreate knowledge together. It's this kind of teacher-student relationship of powers. Um, it makes power with a, a way as they each mm-hmm. engage on into the ontological or historical vocation of becoming more fully human. And it reminds me of that very incredible Kwame Ture quote, right? Because the thing Mm -hmm. is, I often say to people, someone being a comrade doesn't necessarily mean they have to be your friend. It doesn't even necessarily mean it has to be someone you like, right? And Kwame Ture has this incredible quote where he says, a white man wanting to lynch me is his problem, right? 
Yeah. But a white man having the power to lynch me, that becomes my problem. So for me, I don't really care if people's personal politics or people's personal views might not match mine or might not be perfect and they might have some problematic say-so's. Yeah, and that, that that is their business. I don't give a crap. But when we're yeah. talking about challenging the entire structures as it is, it has to be a mutual process. And this kind of epiphany is very hard for some people to come to. And I think what I love about pedagogy so much is it helped me come to that. It helped me understand that when this process does come about, I have to also humanize much of the oppressors because mm. them also didn't understand because, again, this banking model has blinded them also. You know what? You're spitting facts and it's quite timely because I, I tweeted that today. Because I remember, let's, let's just, I mean, full disclosure, let's speak about what's happening right now um, this week of the whole Palestine issue. Palestine um, occupation and you know we saw the tweets we saw the reactionaries we saw the people who you know the anti-blackness or and people and, and I'm not going to sit here and say it's 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 easy just to say you know what I'm going to rise above it no matter what it's you know people are still human beings so I understand that but then you know through dialogue with people and through engaging this text you realize you know what it's not about that like I'm we're not reaction we're not reactionaries we're radical and radicals has to, you know, the, the black radical tradition didn't say during the time of slavery that just let, let's let black people own slaves too. It was now abolished the whole bloody system. Mm-hmm. When black people didn't turn around and build the black KKK, black people didn't turn around and say, we want a, a Jim Crow that's going to benefit us. It was no, let's abolish it for all. So I, thought, I kind of feel like what pedagogy is speaking to is using a way of education, but also education being a form of abolition as well. And I feel like it's very important that the TL reveals a lot. And I feel like this is when we, this is when I come for black capitalists, neck and all the other people. Like we're not trying, we're not out here trying to replicate the system. Mm-hmm. We're not out here trying to like just put the people who are marginalized and put them on top and subjugate everyone else. No, we're not saying that. Yes, if we're talking about, let's say, for example, in state and revolution, Lenin does speak of like in the initial stage of over, of the proletariat revolution, you are going to oppress some people because you're enforcing the will of the the working classes upon the bourgeoisie. But I go, that's not the that's not the long term goal. The long term goal is obviously eventually is the diminishing of classes and you know and getting doing away with class together and withering away of the state. So I think it's very important that if we're talking about we're being radicals and revolutionaries and wanting to be revolutionaries and wanting to have a vision of liberation, it's not about replicating the system and, and, and making it more you know POC. And we see what happens. It gets we, we see it like look what happens with the the CIA or the FBI adverts. You know you know I suffer from anxiety. I'm a queer this. They're adopting the language of identity politics. And that's what happens. Buzzwords, absolutely. You know, I mean, just buzzwords. I'm, I kind of caution people and, and, you know, my it's from my own experience and journey that, you know, what are you? Are you a reactionary? Are you are you one of those people who wants to build a world? Again, silly people as well say, I want to build a world where only black people are liberated. I'm like, huh? Well, clearly your analysis is falling short because the same things, same structures of domination that oppress black people in America are identical to what's happening on the streets of Palestine or what's happening in, in South America. So again, if you want total liberation and freedom from oppressive structures, let's attack those things. So yeah, again, another run, but I'm quite heated today. <laughs> no, I think, and I think you're in the right to, again. And I think, I, like, I know I've mentioned it to you before, but I'm very aware, like, it's very easy to put like agents on the timeline to cause these like divisions. And obviously some yeah. people have had very problematic views as well. But even today we saw someone with a burner account with seven followers. Yeah. 
create further divisions and like the discussion was steered away from the fact that you know the material conditions of Palestinians living under occupation right now are being bombed etc to I don't want to show solidarity because of these tweets or yes I'm not comfortable with this and people are of course they're in their right mind to do that if that's what they believe that's what they believe solidarity isn't a transactional approach and I try and explain that very often to people but it's very easy to like co-opt these buzzwords of the oppressed and turn them into what people want to see so it can kind of translate for them to in um to create that further division and it's this mm-hmm. again it's this banking model of education it, it goes it always goes back to this banking concept of education being an instrument of oppression and mm-hmm. what i really appreciate about Freire is not only does he critique the banking model banking concept and i can go on to the critiques again and again and but he also suggests yeah. the problem posing approach to liberation okay so he says you know education when it's used as a mechanism of the oppression of 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 oppression it enlists the obviously the banking concept where teachers speak of reality as if it was this motionless compartmentalized and predictable mm. thing that we see and the purpose is to constantly just deposit information into students and it creates this disconnected this disconnect from students to the structural totality in engendering the oppressed right and knowledge is mm-hmm. presented as, as in disparate and fragmented portions which kind of obfuscates the ability of students to kind of discern the conditions creating their condition right and yeah. this kind of educational distortion that students become then acclimated to eh, to their reality it shows no propensity to challenge the inequitable conditions and the more mm. students work at storing these deposits, the less likely they're able to develop a critical consciousness and intervene as social transformers. And again, so when we think about the banking model as we see it today, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the classroom is rogue memorization. Pearl Harbor was bombed in 1941. Nazis were bad. Americans were good. Colonization benefited Indians because they had train tracks, etc. And then yeah. you also apply programs such as Prevent or even the general militarizations of schools that we see today. And yeah. again, what is Prevent? If you had your if you had a fashion change in the past six months, you can be written down as someone that should be suggested for the Prevent program. If you yeah. express some political ideas in school that kind of contradict the banking model, your name can go down. If you suddenly are a bit more acclimated towards religion, your name yeah. can go down. It's these really silly things that, you know, teenage, like this idea that students changing in any sense is something to be concerned about demonstrates mm-hmm. how these individuals put these policies into actions to see education as a means to stabilize and reproduce ideas. Mm. But as educators, as educators, you should be trying to change students. And how do you do that? And obviously he then unveils this thought of dichotomy and he talks about why the problem posing model is needed. And in this kind of approach, reality is not presented as this closed and limiting order to which one adjusts. It's instead reality is presented as a problem to be transformed in a mutually collaborative process. And I always want to mm. emphasize the mutually collaborative process because we are nothing without our teachers and we are nothing without the students. 
And for authentic yes. liberation, again, this teacher-student hierarchy must be transformed into that process where each of us teach and each of us learn from one another. And instructors cannot pragmatically lead students into liberation, right? Instead, they have mm-hmm. to engage, again, in a collaborative process of unveiling this reality. And it's yeah. that problem-posing education that allows critical consciousness to develop and prompts intervention in the present reality. And unlike the banking model that we have right now, the world no longer remains distorted by information of domination. And instead, it becomes an object needing transformative action to further humanization, which I think is really, really incredible about Freire's work, right? And it's this idea that freedom, and it's on in page 29, freedom is acquired by conquest, not by gift. It must be both pursued constantly and responsibly, right? Mm. Mm. Do you, that was spitting. That's just spitting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, again, I think I'm in total agreement. I think this is why you were so adamant on people reading this. Because again, I think when we think about where we locate liberation, I always I often say, and this is, again, just kind of in addition to, you mentioned Fanon and people who are inspired by Fanon in our day is Sylvia Winter. And I recommend Sylvia Winter speaks a lot about developing a new grammar, you know, a new understanding of man. And that comes through developing a new language. And like you said, this is exactly what Ferrer is speaking to um, in terms of where we locate liberation. Because if we can have a material analysis, if we can talk about which ideology to, to, to follow. But again, if we're not, but again, I will often say that I don't believe liberation will be solely found in the political anyway. Any other takeaways you would take from this book or things that you'd like to mention about this book particularly? And then we can talk about some other stuff as well. Let me think. If not, we can also talk I about think... identity politics as well. <laughs> I think, okay, I'll just say the significance of Rary's book largely speaks for itself, right? Considering mm-hmm. over a million copies have been sold worldwide and many more reproduced in the developing world and many more accessed via the internet, etc. Its authentic and humanistic approach to education is a particularly poignant in today's culture of educational standards and high stakes testing overly militarized schools that we have. We have to work to produce the next generation of educators, educators who understand curriculum as a reflection of power. And from experience, very few educators kind of reflect on why they are teaching a specific subject or lesson because mm. they're so caught up in being in the compliance with the decision makers or simply teach how they themselves were taught. And this only serves to reproduce and reinforce compliance with injustice right and it's kind of why we at as for activism even started because we wanted to try and authentically commit ourselves to be the people who re-examine ourselves and our society as a whole consistently well let's speak about ace for activism then what is it that what is it and what is it that you do <laughs> so we are a birmingham based book club that read the work of radicalized marginalized marxists right We also have a Mm -hmm. California chapter and we run our mutual aid program that specifically focuses on the migrant and the homeless community within the city of Birmingham and the city of California, which we obviously understand like there's such a heavy over-policing of migrants in Cali, right? Mm -hmm. On top of that, we have cool little services, like we're running regular self-defense classes for women and we try and Again, like it's what Freire talks about is putting the theory and the practice together to hopefully producing a good practice as best as we can. Mm-hmm. 
you, you know, some people might not know. What is mutual aid? So mutual aid, there's a really great book by, I think his name is Dean Spade that I'd recommend. Yeah. But the best way I can describe mutual aid, like it doesn't serve to be a charity, right? It serves yeah. to obviously do work within the community. But at the same time, I, I don't particularly write, like the word, but radicalize or transform the community to understanding our overall means of oppression and why we're here. Mm -hmm. That's the best way I could describe it. I'm pretty sure many others will be much more equipped in describing that. Okay, okay. And what, is it like it's seeking to kind of remove reliance off the state in a way? Absolutely, or... because okay. in many ways, we obviously, again, like the state likes to put us in this violent cycle of abuse, right? Being dependent on the state, despite the fact that they're cutting incredibly important programs away from us, or just in general, complete fading ignorance or ignoring these marginalized mm -hmm. communities. So again, when it comes to the migrant community as a whole, people are so over-policed, they can't either get adequate paying jobs and they end up being in these jobs that exploit them for their labor and forces them to work really, really ridiculous hours for really, really cheap amounts, cash in hand, mm -hmm. right? So it serves to not only not only remove reliance from the government, but kind of reveal what like the government's role in this is. Oh, okay. So are you like are you like radicalizing people by way of helping them as well? <laughs> yeah, that is the goal. That is the goal. And of course like <laughs> a lot of the people that we work with don't have any care to read the text that yeah. we're reading or care to be radicalized. And of course, like uh, material conditions for so many oppressed people, like not everyone can engage with these works and that's okay. Of course. So we put of the course. information out there and many have chosen to engage with it and many haven't chosen to engage with it, but also receive the certain programs that we deliver. And that's okay. No, hundred percent. I think you're doing amazing work and I'm going to put the A's for activism in the description of this episode, because I think you lot should support it, check it out, share and get involved and obviously join the book clubs and follow all the pages. This has been a really dope conversation. I've really, really enjoyed this. Sham, I'm definitely going to have you on again and we can talk about, I mean, there's so much more we can talk about. This is very specific about a book in which you love and thanks for the recommendation. But I'm going to say for future, I think we're so much, there's so much other topics we can speak about. So until you're listening to the Malcolm Effect with Mamadou, until next time, please like, comment, subscribe, be that on Apple uh, Podcasts, Spotify or on YouTube and take care.